It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. We are officially in the dog days of summer, so we're continuing to look back a little bit on last year and ahead to next year. We got a two-parter this week to start us off with a special guest, Vasan Amara. It's time to dive into the playbook on Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed locked on magic. Today is July 24th, as you're probably listening to this, 2023. My name is Phil Ross Mike. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, follow us there on Twitter at, oh, at Magic Daily. Follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to talk to Fazan Amer of the Sixth Man Show. He does a lot of great playbook posts on his Twitter account, as well as for the Sixth Man Show. We're going to dive a little bit into the Magic's playbook over the last two days, kind of evaluate what we saw from the Magic's rookies, what they bring to the table, and then dive into a little bit about the overall philosophy and identity of who the Orlando Magic are. It's going to be a really fun two days of podcasts here uh, that we're going to really dive deep into this playbook, so I'm really, really excited to share uh, this episode with you since since I recorded it last week before everything got super, super busy. Before we get into that, though, I want to thank you all again for making Lockdown Magic part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us, whether it's first in the morning, whether it's right when we upload. We truly appreciate you making Lockdown Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's a great Lockdown podcast covering every single team in the NBA. Just search for Lockdown and the team you're looking for, the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. That's prizepix.com, promo code LOCKEDON. Before we dive into our podcast with our special guest today, um, I just want to quickly address uh, the news that came out over the, over the weekend um, that Jamal Mosley is going to be the coach of the U.S. Select Team for U.S. Training Camp as well as the Magic signing Admiral Schofield to a two-way contract. You get my initial thoughts on these on OrlandoMagic.com. I am going to give them their due attention. We're just going to wait till Wednesday to talk about those. Um, just the nuts and bolts of it, though. Admiral Schofield is a really good guy to have around. He's a versatile player, uh, knows the Magic system really well. We know this is a team that really values its continuity. And so keeping Schofield around another year certainly helps with that. And then as far as Mosley being the... Uh, the, the coach of the select team. This is an incredible opportunity. And for me, as I wrote on OrlandoMagicDaily.com, um, it signifies that someone thinks something's going right with the Magic's rebuild. Um, look, Jamal is a great coach. He's a great connector. He's a great leader. He's been in that USA program before. He's going to help a lot of guys get better and show a lot of people around the league what makes the Magic special. We're going to dive into more of that on Wednesday, but I want to get to our guest, Fazan Amer. He does all these great playbook posts throughout the season for the Six Man Show, as well as on his Twitter page. So we're going to chat today about all things Orlando Magic, what we saw from the team last year, 
and how they continue to build moving forward. It's coming up next here on Locked On Magic. And I am joined now by Hassan Amer of The Sixth Man Show. You probably follow him on Twitter. If you don't, you probably should because Fazan does a, 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 does a really good job breaking down plays and, and, and kind of showing us the tape of what this team is doing, what this team is trying to do. And so now that summer league is over, uh, I wanted to try and, and just get a sense of what direction the Magic are going. So before we do any of that, Fazan, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing good. I appreciate you for bringing me on. For those who don't know, um, I'm actually making my podcasting debut, so kind of got my juices flowing a little bit. My adrenaline's kind of pumping, but I'm excited to be on. Yeah, no, don't worry. It, this is this is just a free-flowing, just very cool, calm conversation. Um, you don't need to worry about worry about anything, and 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 I'll edit some stuff on the back end anyway. So so if we make mistakes, we the viewer it will be none the wiser. Um, Fazan, I, I just want to let's let's just start with the basics and, and with with the basic news that we have of, of the day, and, and that is um, summer league. Um, you know, we we got a healthy dose of Anthony Black and Jet Howard. You know, three games with them. Uh, we probably don't need to talk about much else from summer league, but just start. Let's just start there. What were your impressions of, of Anthony Black and, and and what he can bring to this team in general, and what we saw from summer league? Yeah, no, um, I think a lot of fans, first of all, were completely baffled by the pick Anthony Black at six. Um, personally, I wasn't. A lot of the 520 start that they had, I don't want to pinpoint exactly the areas, but Markel Fox being down, Jalen Suggs <laughs> being down, that was a big area of need for them. And just having that those bench sparks that can come in and provide not only offense, but facilitating offensive schemes, plays, is such a big component in today's uh, today's game that just kind of gets shuffled under the under the rug at times, and we kind of saw flashes of it with Anthony Black pushing the pace against multiple times in half court. That play that he had uh, in the Indiana game, he's coming down the court, he's reading the court. His processing speed is just unreal. It, it happens in a moment's notice, and um, yeah, he was connecting on passes to Caleb Houston in the Pistons game, the Pacers game. I mean, his uh, passing was definitely on display. So that was a big component for it for me. Um, the negative aspect of Anthony Black's game is that that jumper, obviously. But I I felt like personally, I felt like when he wasn't thinking about the jumper, it was hitting. He had the he had the four point play his first his first game, and he wasn't thinking about that three-point shot at all, and it fell. And then he had a move on Asar Thompson, I think, a bit earlier in that game, and he just pulled up for the mid-range, and he completely drained it off a sidestep jab. And I think when he's not thinking about his shot, it just feels more smoother and not as forced. Yeah, I, I think there's something to that. Um, you know, again, it's it's very much a, a rhythm thing. Like, you know, his, his look, his jump shot's still a work in progress, and and that's going to be kind of the big storyline of the early part of his uh, of his career, at least. But you know, I think just generally that whole idea of thinking was was kind of the big theme of his his summer league. Um, you know, a lot of people are pointing out that you know he had 
12 total turnovers, four turnovers per game. But of course, seven of them came in that first game and five of them came in that last game. And he had a nice little zero goose egg turnover game uh, in the middle there. And I almost like, and I'm curious how, how you feel about this. I almost felt like he was playing too slow, which is usually the opposite problem of what you have with rookies where, you know, it very much felt like, it, like first off, with Summer League, what matters is that the guy looks like he can play. Like, we'd agree that Anthony Black can play. Like, he can, he can, he can play a little bit. He did not look overwhelmed, did not look out of place uh, in the, on the court uh, for, for this team. Um, and so, to me, that's a Summer League success. Like, he, he looked like he could play. He defended really well. You know, we didn't even get into his defense. Um, but the way he controlled the pace of the game I thought was really, really, really impressive. And, and honestly, like, like I said, I almost felt like he played too slow. Like he was probing too much. He was just kind of dribbling around and, and I was waiting for him to explode to the basket or, or hit the gas, hit the gas late and get to the basket or get all the way there. And I think to that point, if he'd done that, maybe those shots come off a little cleaner. Maybe he's thinking less about those shots. You know, maybe that's what he's missing. That ability to control the pace though, just both with the pass, with the dribble, that's going to be really, really valuable. And, and, and I don't know about your perception of things. It did not look like anybody could speed him up. Like it looked like he was just, he was just playing at the rate that he wanted to play at. And to do that at any level at his age, I think is really, really impressive. Yeah. And a lot of his passes that resulted in those turnovers. I mean, box scores, box score watchers are going to go to town with those turnovers, but if you're watching that in live action, a lot of his turnovers were off really good reads that he made that either resulted in fumbles or when he was pushing, this is another negative aspect of his game. I didn't really like much when he's pushing the break on offense. I want him to, I want him to attack the rim. I don't want him to look to pass first. A lot of those, a lot of those first game passes against the Pistons. I remember um, he had one where he found Caleb Houston in the corner, but Caleb happened to be out of bounds on the three-point line, and that resulted in turnover. He kept passing to Kevon Harris, who's just a tank in uh, in transition. But I wanted him to be more aggressive in facilitating his own shot, getting his that six-seven frame to the rim and attacking the basket in transition, as opposed to primarily becoming a pass-first guard only, especially because it's summer league and I wanted him to get those reps in. Yeah, for sure. And look, like he's going to get more comfortable. And I think that was a big chunk of what we saw. And look, he had 17 points in that first game. It wasn't like he wasn't scoring. I think he averaged, what, 11 per game in the three over the three games or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so like he like and on top of that, like he was aggressive. You know, I agree. He needed to be more aggressive attacking the basket. I think he did defer to passing a little bit too much. But, you know, he was by game three, he was exploring his shot a little bit and, and, and exploring what he, what he could do off the dribble a little bit. And, you know, I'm a big believer in summer league. You find out the limits of a player as much as you find out what they can do. And so, you know, maybe there need to be some guardrails for him for his rookie year and, and figure things out. Um, before we move off of, off of Anthony Black, then where do you see his fit with this team? You know, we like, I, I'm I'm a big believer that with the magic and, and, and maybe we'll save this, of conversation for later on later on today. Um, I'm a big believer with the magic that that versatility is not necessarily about positional versatility. It's skill versatility. It's having a Paolo Bancaro who can be a, a great passer, but Anthony Black certainly has that positional versatility 
A lot of us are expecting him to play some three, see a lot of two-guard lineups, a lot of three-guard lineups. Where do you see Anthony Black fitting in with all the things that he can do? Where does he fit in with this main roster as now we look ahead to October? Kind of saying the same note that you just sung of positionless basketball. When he got drafted, immediately the first thing that came up to everyone's mind is what happens with Cole Anthony? What happens with Jalen Suggs? Because immediately everyone just becomes so succumbed to the fact that he's a point guard. So there's immediately this log jam at the guard position. When, yeah, technically he is, he is a point guard, but he's also 6'7", and all those guards, Markel Fultz, Anthony Black, Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony, they're all point guards but they all ha have different contributions to the game, despite being labeled a point guard. I think Anthony Black and Markel Fultz kind of have similar games where they're both floor generals. They're, they're both lead guards in the NBA who can facilitate your offense on a nightly basis, who can push the pace, which is a, a big uh, component of Jamal Mosley's um, mission statement. Whereas Jalen Suggs is more of your defensive anchor and Cole Anthony is that spark plug off the bench who gives you microwave microwave scoring in bunches, honestly. But and, and I'm not really too worried, too concerned about Cole Anthony or Jalen Suggs being gone. But where Anthony Black fits in necessarily, I think he fits in in a variety of ways. We kind of saw the defensive uh, assonance that he portrayed in the Indiana game. Uh, I remember that one play. Indiana was running an elbow split action, and he uh, and the play was designed for Andrew Nemhard. Anthony Black came over, tags the tags the slipper. Indiana resets with a pick and roll with Benedict Matherin and Oscar, and he actually he, so Benedict so Anthony Black's man was on the corner on the weak side corner, and Black doesn't travel to the weak side corner because Benedict Benedict isn't really a passer out of uh, pick and rolls. So he just came over and he just uh, disrupted and um, boxed out Oscar Robert, uh, Oscar. I'm not sure what his last name was. Sheboy? Sheboy? No. Yeah, he has a big last yeah. name. And I'm not even yeah. going to try to pronounce okay, it. Okay, let's not try. It's Summerlin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Oscar. And yeah, he got Caleb Houston the rebound. So I just think he's such an impactful player that can facilitate, can defend, can crash the glass. We saw that tip in off the Jet Howard miss. Uh, he also averaged the most rebounds on the game uh, on the team for the summer league, despite only playing three games. I think it was at like 8.7 rebounds per game. So I think he just contributes in so many ways that I don't think it really matters. I just don't think he or Markel Fultz can share the floor at the same time. However, yeah, that's and that I mean the shooting thing is obviously going to be the big thing, and 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 you know I, I I'm getting a little bit of heat for a take I had on 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 my podcast on Monday. Where I said I think Jed Howard might have a more impactful rookie year. Um, so I will amend that a little bit and say Jed Howard is probably more playoff ready than Anthony Black is um, at this point because of that that shooting weakness. But um, you know we'll 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 get into kind of some of the bigger philosophies about this team as as they prepare for the 2024 season. Let's take a quick break from our conversation so I can tell you a little bit about our friends from Prize Picks. Look, daily fantasy games are hard. 
I've played a bunch of daily fa- fantasy games, and a lot of times I'm going into these massive pools, and I know if I'm lucky, I'll get my money back. If I'm lucky, I'll just get a buck back from a $3 game or whatever it is. Price picks is not like any of those games. There's no playing with these massive player pools. There's no confusing scoring system. It's simply, is he going to score more or less than the projected numbers? It's just you versus the numbers. That's really all you can ask for from a fantasy game. So straightforward and frankly, so easy to win. All you have to do is pick two to five, two to six players. And if they go on to score more or less than their prize picks projections, whatever you project, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus projections available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch, including the WNBA, NFL, which of course is coming up soon, PGA with the FedEx Cup playoffs coming up, soccer, and so much more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's really that easy. They offer safe and fast withdrawals. are currently operational in more than 30 states, including Florida as well as Canada. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports today. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on and sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Let's let's move on then to to Jet Howard. Um, you know, let's 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 go with him. What did you see uh, from Jet Howard? You know, obviously the shooting stands out, but but what else stood out about Jet Jet Howard from from the summer league run that that you saw uh, that that will that will help this Magic team grow? I think the value he brings is immeasurable thanks to the floor spacing he provides for not only himself but Paolo Bancaro and Franz Wagner. I mean, any superstar needs space to operate. You see how the Milwaukee Bucks are kind of formation. They have, they always have multiple guys uh, in transition. They kind of play a four-out, one-in offense with Joe Ingles on the corner, Chris Milton on another corner, Pat Connaughton, Brooke Lopez, all guys who are stationary, catch-and-shoot, and pull-up shooters, and guys who can move off screens to create gravity for easy looks elsewhere. I mean, shooting – I mean, this is no surprise, but shooting has been at the center of the offensive boom over the, what, the past 15 years. So as far as I'm concerned, there's no secret. I mean, you need long-range gunners to win, especially this Orlando Magic team in specific. You kind of look at it dating back in time, and three-point shooting always seems to be a problem. But the biggest thing for me was finding versatility in Jet Howard's game. We already knew that he was a three-point shooter, but I wanted to personally see what counter moves he has. And he showed really good flashes of that sidestep, the one dribble pull up when he's chased off the line. Um, he, he also did really good on screens, handoffs, and I'll give him bonus points um, for taking those actions and getting into the lane and making the right play. 
and kind of sing the same note that we sung earlier. Um, his, uh, I'm not really sure what his assist numbers look like in the summer league, but I was extremely impressed with his, um, his passing skills, his distribution skills. And that doesn't jump out on the box score because again, a lot of those players fumbled or they resulted in turnovers because of slip passes. But I was very intrigued with his, uh, with his passing ability. Yeah. And I mean, I obviously like the Jet Howard conversation and the Jet Howard debate was very much about, was this the right pick? Because so few mock drafts had him going that way. And honestly, if you look at his college tape, a lot of the things that we saw in summer league didn't pop out on his college tape. You know, he was not an active defender. And I, I will say this, like, yeah, there are probably still some areas where Jet Howard needs to improve defensively. I'm not going to sit here and say he's a stopper yet, but he was a lot more engaged and energetic defensively uh, in, in summer league. And, and I thought, the way you could use him was you know, like, first off, we know this magic team loves size. So, you know, like the, the, the summer league team was weird because it lacked size. There was three players taller than six ten on the summer league team, DJ Wilson, Robert Baker, Kai Soto. Um, we just got 2000 more hits because I said Kai Soto. Um, but, um, but the next tallest players on the roster were six foot eight, Caleb Houston and six foot eight, uh, Jet Howard. So, the magic, I, I think part of what they were doing in summer league was experimenting a little bit with playing smaller. Um, and you can't do that with a Grady Dick. Grady Dick, Grady Dick isn't going to guard fours. Um, you certainly can't do that. You know, I like Jordan Hawkins a lot too. Six foot six guy. You're not going to be able to do that with, with a Jordan Hawkins. And so I think the magic ultimately, again, versatility is such a big thing. And we're going to talk more about versatility uh, a little bit later on in our conversation. Um, for sure, but like Jed Howard's versatility is probably what edged him ahead of those other shooters. The Magic were taking a shooter at 11. The question was, what else, what other skills did they value in that? And, and I agree in Vegas, yeah, we saw Jed Howard shoot and, and he shot the ball well and he was certainly not afraid to let it fly. And that's a good thing. But what stood out to me is, is that the other skills that he brought to the table. You know, he was a better passer than we expected. I think he was better, you know, do I want him driving to the basket all the time? No, because he's probably not there with that yet, but he can do it. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that because his free throws, I mean, I mean, free throws aren't always on the forefront of people's minds. It's not the most exciting thing to watch in the game, but free throws are a lot like football field goals. It's arguably, arguably the easiest points in the game. But unfortunately for Jet Howard, it was a it's a place he's actually struggled to get get to not only in college, but in summer league as well. Uh, in the pa- in the last uh, in the five of the last eleven games in college, he didn't attempt a single free throw, and out of thirty nine field goal attempts in the summer league, he only got to the line one time. And, and he, I think he was he, it was it he one buried, total free throw because it was a technical free throw. That he, yeah, that there was a technical free throw, which yeah. is the one he missed. But yeah. I'm talking about when he drew the whistle and he only drew the whistle one time and he buried both free throws, but it's a place where I want him to, I want to see him go more often because in that first game, his shot wasn't there. He was struggling in his debut and he didn't attack the rim at all. I want him, I want him to get to the line. I want him. That's what shooters do when your shot's not falling and Paulo Bancaro. I mean, not a lot of rookies are as good as Paulo Bancaro at getting the line. And when his shot wasn't falling, he was easily able to bully his way and get to the charity stripe and get those points. And it just generates easier buckets for you down the stretch of games. 
Yeah. And, 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 and like the free throw shooting is a really good point point too, because like last year, the magic couldn't make threes and, and, and their, their math, their pathway to playing was we're going to beat you on free throw attempts. We're going to make up the three pointers that we can't hit at the foul line. And, you know, you look at Paolo Bancaro, he scored 20 points per game, you know, first, first non-center to score 20 points per game in a magic uniform since Steve Francis in 2005, in 2005. Um, he, he did not shoot the ball well. The, the whole debate about the rookie of the year was that Paolo Bancaro is not efficient. Well, he still got to 20 points per game because he got all those free points at the free throw line. And look, saying anyone needs to be the Paolo Bancaro level of free throw shooter, that's something that usually does not go away. Like, I think we can bet on Paolo Bancaro getting seven or eight free throw attempts per game again next year. Um, he is going to force his way to the line. And if he's more efficient with his shot, all of a sudden... You know, if he's shooting, he shot, what, 41, 42%. If he's up at 45, 46%, that's two, that's probably two or three more field goal attempts. All of a sudden he's averaging 26, 27 points per game. That's a much different kind of player. Um, And so to that point, like, yes, the rest of the team, I think, has to get better at getting in the foul line to, to make up for some of their deficiencies elsewhere. Um, And I think that is someplace Jet can, can get. Um, Like I, uh, I, I don't know if I want Jet Howard, like, kind of, foraying into the into the lane so much like I want him doing you know maybe a pump fake two dribble two dribble pull up I want him doing um you know maybe pump fake lean into the defender draw the draw the three-point foul um you know sidestep threes that that's kind of where I think his role is going to be limited his his rookie year but what I was really impressed with from Jet uh in summer league was that he uh was that so much of what he did felt like that's exactly what the magic are going to ask him to do in the regular season. Like when he's playing a lot, when, when he's coming off a of Wendell Carter or Mo Wagner's screen or Goga Batadze screen, it's not going to be any different than him coming <clears throat> off a screen from Robert Baker. Um, the only difference will be, it'll be Jalen Suggs passing him the ball instead of, uh, instead of Tiger Campbell or, or, um, or Dexter Dennis or, or whoever. Um, that's, to me, the fact that it's so replicable, that that's exactly the kind of thing he's going to see in the regular season, to me, that's what made his summer league that much more impressive to me. Yeah, and the, the Magic added two shooters this offseason, Jet Howard and Joe Ingles. And I always thought Jet Howard was more of a catch-and-shooter, just like Joe Ingles. But in summer league, he actually displayed his um, his creation skills. A lot of his three-point made buckets actually came from live dribble pull-ups instead of those stationary catch-and-shoot threes that Joe Ingles excels on. So I, 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 I thought it was a really good thing for uh, Jet Howard to be making those self-creation baskets for himself, especially because those screens weren't necessarily as good as they're going to be from a Wendell Carter Jr. screen, a, a Moritz Wagner screen. So I think having, have, having shooters is a good thing, but having components of shooters adds versatility to this offense, which, and, which will enhance the offensive play. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
Yeah, I mean, un- undoubtedly, like, shooting was such a big thing and such a big need for this Magic team uh, coming into into this season. But um, when you look, you know, you mentioned Joe Ingles a little bit. He's the big free agent signing of the offseason. You know, the, the, the Magic added three new players to the team, the two rookies, Joe and Joe Ingles. You know, we mentioned him a little bit already as a catch-and-shoot option. What what is the impact that Joe Ingles is going to bring to this team and the way that they attack offensively? Yeah, I mean, oftentimes when Paolo Bancaro was driving to the cup, and this was often displayed against the Memphis Grizzlies and the Milwaukee Bucks defensively, defensively teams are just um, completely sinking everyone down low, blitzing every single person on the low block, and really daring the Magic to beat them um, from spray out threes and Unfortunately for the Magic, that was just that was a season-long struggle uh, for them. And adding uh, a catch-and-shooter like Joe Ingles, who can't, who not only excels on catch-and-shoots, but also pull-up jumpers. And oftentimes in the two-man game, uh, I actually wrote an article about this: the Markel Fultz, Wendell Carter Jr. two-man game uh, from uh, that the Orlando Magic um, went to a lot of throughout the course of the season, but we didn't really see a lot of two-man actions uh, when the bench was coming in. So I think Joe Ingles coming off the bench and having those two-man actions with Maurice Wagner or a Goga Batadze just adds so many different components to the offensive playbook alongside uh, Anthony Black, assuming Joan Suggs' shot improves as it, w- as it was throughout the latter end of the season. There's just so many different endless possibilities that adding uh, a veteran, uh, a distributor, a defender of Joe Ingles' caliber really does to your offense and defense. Yeah, yeah. And and honestly, like, I think that's kind of an underrated part of what the Magic are getting in Joe Ingles. Like, A, you know, I say this about ACL injuries all the time. It takes a year to recover to get back on the court. It takes another full year to recover kind of where you were. And Ingles is 35, so he may not be what he was completely before the ACL injury, but last year was his full year back on the court. So now he is a now, you know, like he, I think he even told an Australian reporter uh, out at Summer League about this that, you know, he feels better than he's felt since the injury right now. So the Magic could be getting a very good version of Joe Ingles. And like, look, even if he's just a spot up shooter, like I, I know we all point this out, like imagine that's Joe Ingles in the corner instead of, a Caleb Houston who maybe doesn't have the respect as a shooter or instead of, you know, even um, Gary Harris probably creates some gravity, but instead of like a Jalen Suggs, like having that shooter is going to make that, that low man not be so low or not be as, as, as far over to allow those driving lanes and allow those, those finishes at the rim or allow those, you know, even honestly, even a great shooter. And I think Ingles is a really good passer as well is, is, is a fantastic passer. Um, he makes, he makes good decisions. Even having him as a, as an outlet who can draw the defense to him when he catches the ball and kick it back, kick it out to the perimeter to, you know, a Cole Anthony, like Cole Anthony's a solid shooter. I think he really came on strong late in the season. But having a Joe Ingles who could swing a pass to Cole Anthony for a better catch and shoot shot than he's probably gotten at any point in his career, um, you know, there there are things that, that like numbers can't track, and that's like and like the quality of a pass I think is a really big factor too, like getting a pass that's like right in your shooter's pocket that you're not bobbling allows you to get right into your rhythm. Like these guys are good shooters. Like, like they're in the NBA. They're not like awful shooters. They can make open shots. 
but you know, maybe the conditions need to be exactly right. And I think like adding a veteran like Joe Ingles is going to create more of those kind of positive shot attempts or more of those positive pass attempts to, to get guy to get guys open or get guys rhythm jumper jumpers more, or, you know, get guys, you know, attacking down, you know, pass it that allows them to attack downhill rather than the pass that they have to fumble, stop, make sure they have possession that allows the defense to catch up to them. Um, it's little things like that really, really matter. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's part of kind of the larger mission statement of the season. So, so, you know, before we, you know, it, it, we'll get to this in part two, kind of like bigger, uh, bigger picture stuff, but like, you know, the, the, the goal for the magic again this year is to level up, um, you know, Anthony Parker said it, said it, said it on the radio, you know, Jeff Waltman, I believe said it at exit interviews that the, the goal for this team is to play better basketball. Um, let's just keep using Jamal Mosley's phrase of leveling up. Cause it's just nice and succinct and doesn't get ridiculed for being like, well, duh. Um, what does leveling up for this team look like? Um, and, and do you feel with the off season additions they've made that the magic have indeed leveled up? Yeah. Uh, so leveled up to me, looks like, uh, first of all, defense, I'll, I'll kind of speak to it defensively first. Um, we kind of saw it 57 games. I, I'm not going to, uh, excluding the five and 20 start that they had when most of their players were injured, when they were being befuddled by injuries, that 57 games to close out the season, the magic were sixth. We're, we're, we're yeah, we're sixth in their defensive, uh, defensive rating. So I think just kind of picking up from where you left off, adding, like you said, uh, underrated defender like Jet Howard, adding Anthony Black, who's who was a disruptor in summer league, adding an underrated defender in Joe Ingles, who's seen multiple coverages, multiple coverages and offensive schemes throughout his. I don't even know how long he's played in the NBA. He's been around. He's thirty-five. He's 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 the old man on the team. <laughs> yeah. So I think that just adds to it defensively and then offensively. Um, yeah, just adding shooters not only provides a spark that wasn't there last season, but adding more shooters to the Magic will be beneficial in more ways than one because it's a way to expand an offensive playbook is by focusing on actions that make up specific plays to generate open three-point shooters as opposed to the transition and run-and-gun um, stuff that we saw the Orlando Magic do this past season. And I know Paolo Bancaro alluded to this on a podcast that he was on um, after the season was over, but he said that a lot of their three-pointers came from transitional opportunities, just kicking out to, cor- uh, out to shooters in the corner. So I think having an emphasis on the playbook and really generating your shooters open, like running plays for them, uh, not just kind of having them stationed and on either side of the corners, it's just such a dynamic that we see that we see the Warriors do, we see the Lakers do. We saw the Heat do it on their way to the finals, despite being a bad shooting, three-point shooting team throughout the regular season. So just having that dynamic flow just adds so much to the offense. Yeah, and like to me, like so much, so much of what makes a successful offense is can you put the defense in compromising positions? Like, like Paolo Bancaro is very much a self-generator because just by him driving or putting him on the block, the mid post, he's going to find a way to create contact and, and force the referee to call a foul. Like, like, you know, he's, his, he's so, he's so big and he's such a smart decision maker 
uh, for players so young and for player size, he's going to find ways to put some stress on the defense. And, and like he said, like having plays specifically designed to get three pointers with good three point shooters, that opens up a lot of things to you. Cause if you're running an action to get, you know, jet Howard and open three and the defenses. And, and I, I know I say this a lot. Um, this is why Terrence Ross had value, even though he was like a 32, 33% three point shooter. Um, your ability as a three point shooter is not necessarily about your ability to make threes. It's about how much the defense thinks you can make threes. Um, you know, if, if, you know, like what I'm really excited about with Jet Howard, for instance, is Jet Howard looks like he's the kind of guy that could have a four or five three point game, three pointer game off the bench and they'll, you know, nail a couple threes and get, you know, like we saw with Terrence Ross for in 2019, 2020, get the defense like worried and concerned. And all of a sudden, on in transition, they're making sure that a guy is going out to Jet Howard, and that opens up a lane for Wendell Carter to run run the middle, or Paolo Bancaro to run the middle, or for Franz Wagner to get past his man, you know, do his do his thing and get to the basket. Doing these plays and, and creating these actions just puts the puts the defense makes the defense commit more attention to these guys, and then all of a sudden, like let's say it's a Franz Wagner pick and roll with a with a Jet Howard action to 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 come up and get a handoff, you know. All of a sudden, the defense has all those guys, and Franz Wagner, six foot ten, he could fire a pass down low to a rolling to a rolling center to a cutting to a cutting Paolo. Like that, you have all these opportunities with all the flexibility and versatility on this team to to make things happen. That's going to do it for part one of our episode with Fazan. We're going to have him on again tomorrow. We're going to dive a little bit deeper into the Orlando Magic playbook. What is the identity that Jamal Mosley is going for? What is the kind of Jamal Mosley thesis statement? We're going to get into all that on tomorrow's episode of Lockdown Magic. So I want to thank Fazan for coming on uh, and giving me two days of content worth of episodes. I, I find all this playbook stuff fascinating. So definitely a place where... You explain it to me, I get it, but uh, definitely a place that I would like to learn a whole lot more. And there's a lot of great resources online, including from Fazan, uh, to study this stuff and really learn what the magic are trying to do. But I want to thank you all again for listening, making Lockdown Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's a great Lockdown podcast covering every single team in the NBA. But you can find us and subscribe to us wherever you download podcasts, whether it's Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us on Twitter at omagicdaily, and of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Be sure to tune in tomorrow. We'll have part two of our conversation with Fazan, but until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.